0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.54 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the second day of the month of September 2021. This is episode 470 of Bitcoin and I pissed a lot of people off on Twitter a couple of days ago. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I ripped off somebody's NFT, you know, posted it. And um, yeah, I finally got the effect I was looking for. I got to mute a whole shit ton of meth heads. Oh, that was thing of beauty. My mute button was on fire, dude. I was just like, just pulling. And, and here's the funny thing. All the people that were coming after me, every single one of them had a monkey head one of those stupid ape nft avatars yeah because the uh, avatar that i or the uh the nft quote unquote that i you know was playing around with you know ripping off and stuff like that was one of those stupid ugly ass apes that clearly by the way the entire frame of that ape head the way that the it's its general shape and I'm not I'm not talking about the colors or or whatever if you just look at the outline okay if you were to like put it in one of these things into Photoshop and literally just kill all the color and just look at the outline. And then you go look at the cartoon character of Stern from the 1980s movie Heavy Metal. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you haven't watched Heavy Metal, you got, my God, you're missing out, dude. It's like an animated uh, I had like I don't know six or seven animated shorts set to some of the best music, rock music of the uh, 80s. Oh, it's just a spectacular movie, by the way. But Stern, if you look at the character of Stern, and I think that's spelled S-T-E-R-N, it may be S-T-E-R-N-N, but if you were to Google Stern and heavy metal, you'll see what I'm saying. It's, it's just a ripoff <clears throat> of the shape of that character's head. I, I shit you not. Why? I don't know, and I don't give a shit. So let's start today off talking again about my stance on NFTs. There's a place for nFTs, but not just like there's a there's a place for Bitcoin, and ninety nine percent or ninety nine point nine nine percent of cryptocurrency is a scam, is bullshit, is just fluff or flat out lies and and ponzis, okay? Bitcoin is not, but ninety nine point nine nine percent of the crypto space is. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, right? nfts are the same there's about a 0.01 percent use case for nfts right non-fungible tokens the rest of it is designed specifically to steal your money so what's the difference i basically break nfts down into two camps one is a non-fungible token two a fungible, <clears throat> a functional non-fungible token. Well, what do I mean by that? A functional non-fungible token is something that has actual utility inside of something. And that something for me right now is one place and one place only. Although I, I can imagine that there may be more later on, but right now is pretty much video games objects in video games, to be very specific. To be even more specific, objects in video games that you use in the video game. So let's say you're in some kind of MMO, walking around, I don't know, fighting dragons or whatever. The sword that you use as an NFT, to me, makes sense. Okay? Because there's lots of stuff that you can do with that. You can trade it in game you can possibly trade it outside of the game, but while it's in your possession, it actually does something for you as, as a utility inside the world that you inhabit at the time that you're inhabiting it, i.e. playing the video game. Now, if I were to say, well, look, my video game is, a, is an MMO, and why well, I have NFTs, uh, they're the buildings that populate the landscape or they're the trees or they're the rocks. The, for me to play a video game and, and to go take, I don't know, somebody that I'm with, it's an MMO, so there's it's massively multiplayer online. So I take a buddy and I say, look at this rock over here by Town. See that? I own this rock. And then I show them some kind of Ethereum address to that is transaction address or a wallet that contains this transaction that quote unquote proves that I own this rock. Who gives a shit? It's just like the freaking monkeys. <clears throat> that has no utility. So all these people that were coming after me were saying, oh, but I, I dare you to sell it for $250,000 on OpenSea. Why, who gives a shit? The fact that the thing has no utility should be forefront in your mind. Here's the utility of owning a monkey NFT. Hey, look, Dad. Look at my phone. Yes, son, that's a picture of a monkey. It's rather ugly and reminds me of Stern from Heavy Metal in the 1980s. Ha, <laughs> ha, Such a boomer. Dad, this thing's worth $250,000. I bought it for $175,000. Dad, where did you get that money? Son, <laughs> well... I was trading shit coins for the last year, and I made a lot of money on paper, and I decided to turn it into more paper, and I bought this $175,000 monkey, which I can turn around and sell for $250,000. But okay, prove that you own it. Well, here's the Ethereum address. Okay, son, that looks like a string of numbers. How does that prove to me that you own this? Well, Oh, well, you've got to take a deep dive down the Ethereum rabbit hole and learn all the shit about how transactions look and, and, and what we're looking for here. Son, I don't give a flying fuck about that. I ain't got the goddamn time. I'm trying to make some money over here in a real job laying brick. <clears throat> the son finally just gets his fill and walks away. Nothing was done except for two things. You piss off the person you're trying to prove that you own a thing that's on your phone. Two, all you were able to do was show them a picture on your phone. There is no utility there. If you tell me that there's great utility in NFTs by being able to take one piece of shit picture that is very much like 10,000 other pictures, only different colors, maybe one's wearing a hat, one's wearing, you know, a pirate earring or something, that just, dude, no, no. Now, inside of a video game, it's a completely different world because you inhabit that world and you are using the NFT. Right. Let's say that I got a, I don't know, like a boat, like I'm, uh, say it's a pirate, like some kind of pirate MMO and I bought a boat and that boat is an NFT. Right. <clears throat> First of all, let's say th- most MMOs are 3D. All right? So there's a three dimensional model. There's a somebody actually took the time to build a mesh model. <clears throat> You know, and put, you know, uh, shaders and colors and all kinds of stuff on it to make it look cool, right? When I'm in the game and I'm the only one that can control that NFT, i.e. turning the ship. I'm the only one that can trade it in the in-game markets. I'm the only one that can trade it peer-to-peer with another player. I'm the only one that can do that. It can't really exist outside of that game as anything other than somebody taking a screenshot of that and then trying to say, hey, I, I own this this ship in this big, bass, you know, MMO game. <clears throat> then, well, then the transaction address becomes kind of a thing, right? Even though it's still, I don't know, man. It's like somebody who shows me an Ethereum address as proof that they own an NFT. I just, I I still don't care. But in the case of an MMO, right, the only thing that you can export out of that game is a two dimensional shot, screenshot of the ship. Who cares? It's like, okay, you can say you own it all you want. And then the arguments of try to go trade it on OpenSea or try to go trade it in the the in-game market, you know, those actually start to work. But when I'm in-game, I can almost prove in two-dimensional fashion, right, that I do own that NFT because I can take thousands of screenshots of the same ship from all different angles. Why? Because I'm the only one that can do that, right? I'm the only one that's going to take the time to do that. I mean, I guess somebody could get, get in the game and take thousands of screenshots of, of my ship. But the only way that that ship is going to be in game is if I'm using it at the time. Otherwise, it just gets put up in a wallet. It's not active in the game. The game actually has to go look at a wallet and say, yeah, you have the right to actually use this. And then the game will render that thing. Only under your command is the ship actually rendered in game. These kinds of objects make sense as NFTs, but I can't right now, it's going to be difficult for me to form into, you know, any kind of other opinion on, on how this is going to be used somewhere else, but in games and entertainment, I can almost see this being, you know, being a real important thing outside. Like if you just show me a picture of an ape or a rock, I don't fucking care. And you shouldn't care either. It's all bullshit and it's going to get a lot of people wrecked. And just like the ICOs died, which heralded Ethereum's general demise in price, the only reason that Ethereum's price is rising right now is because of the advent of NFTs. And I'm talking about the bullshit, non-functional, non-fungible tokens, the NFNFTs. What I'm interested in is F-NFTs. Functional, non-fungible tokens. All right, that, enough of that shit. <clears throat> we got better fish to fry, and we're going to start with Brian Trolls, T-R-O-L-L-Z. Uh, he's got a small thread here about some shit that dropped from the W3C. Let's just read it. This was yesterday. The W3C is a standards body for specifications for how web browsers interact with things on the internet. When you click a payment link for Bitcoin and it opens your wallet to pay, that's them. The HTTPS, things resolving to websites, that's them. The members of this body are major tech corporations, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Mozilla. They just voted to shoot down the decentralized identity specification developed by Microsoft, of all people, to allow decentralized identities not controlled by these platforms. They will not standardize and not implement in their browsers support for handling these DID addresses or endpoints the way a browser handles HTTPS links. The specification was shot down. It's not happening. That's not where it ends though. The reason for shooting it down was, effectively, quote, proof of work is evil and uses too much energy, end quote they will not approve the specification of any standard for anything. If it is based on a proof of work blockchain, this was explicitly stated in Mozilla's public announcement assholes. Fuck you, Firefox. What does this mean? No Bitcoin integration for 402 payment request messages. Let that sink in. No native Bitcoin integration into browsers. Yeah, like that's going to stop us. No implementation of standards and browsers to make interacting with anything built on Bitcoin easy or frictionless. These member companies have quite literally said, fuck you, fuck Bitcoin. It will have no role online and will not be widely integrated into the Internet if we have anything to do with it. Fuck them. That's Brian. And then he's at the very end, he says, someone finally found an Easter egg and is, this is a a quote tweet. So the tweet that he's quoting is a Bitcoin or I'm sorry, BitPaint Club that says, have fun staying poor and has literally a screenshot of part of the consortium member list for the W3.org consortium. And guess who's on it? The Ethereum Foundation. That's right. That's right. That's how this works. The exact thing that Bitcoin has been trying to get around, or the whole reason it was built, is the attitude. It was built to get around the attitude of suit-wearing, pencil-pushing, rubberneck fuckheads that think that because they wear a suit, that they're better than you and that they can tell you what to do and they can tell you how to act, and they can tell you how to interact, and they can tell you what money you can use, and they can tell you where that money can go. All of that is part of the same soup pot that's been stirring for centuries in the human condition. Ethereum Foundation is no different. Vitalik Buterin is no different than central bankers. These people are absolutely... No different than what we've been thinking that we've been fighting against. So for all anybody who's out there that's a, that is holding ETH, you should sell right now in protest because this is bullshit. Now, is it going to work? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the W3, they control the shit that's built on top of the foundations of the internet. We can build what's on top of the foundations of the internet just as easily. Mesh networks <clears throat> need to rise. Ham radio operators need to get in on this. I know it sounds, it sounds really, really stupid, but we got to get steampunk with this shit. Resiliency begins with pipelines that are bolted together. <clears throat> Resiliency begins with metal. Resiliency begins with people who know how to bend pipe in a custom-fit fashion, right? It just it's not going to work, all right? So I'm not, I'm not worried about it, but you do need to know that the people that basically control the, uh, let's say the somewhere between second and fifth layers of the internet have declared war on Bitcoin and proof of work. And Ethereum Foundation is right in the middle of all of it. Now, El Salvador, <clears throat> a country that probably does not give a shit. We all, well, uh, some people give a shit because what we got here is Bitcoin Magazine's Alex McShane saying El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption is met with small protests. Small groups of protesters have taken to the streets one week before El Salvador adopts a Bitcoin as legal currency. According to Business Insider, protests against the Bitcoin law and President Nayib Bukele are becoming more common ahead of its taking effect on September the 7th. The protesters' reasons for objecting to Bitcoin adoption range from simple political opposition to President Bukele, to concerns about price volatility when denominated in U.S. dollars, to misunderstandings about the new law. The adoption of the law will be revolutionary and has the potential to relieve El Salvador of the tireless money printing of the United States. At the very least, Bitcoin will give El Salvadorans another option for transacting and storing their wealth, and perhaps more importantly, Bitcoin will give the citizens a new way to receive payments and remittances without commission. Local San Salvador media sources said that the protesters believe Bitcoin poses a serious threat, to El Salvador's economy, Business Insider reported. One argument is that just as the El Salvador government can't control the United States debasing their dollars, which they are currently totally dependent on, they won't be able to control the Bitcoin economy either. Given the perpetual mishandling and theft of people's money and time through fiat currencies issued and debased by all governments, it's worth printing or printing, pointing out that it is a net positive for El Salvador's population that the government cannot control Bitcoin. The off-sided argument that Bitcoin is volatile is only valid when you compare it to an asset like the chronically inflating US dollar. Bitcoin itself has a terminal supply cap. The other pertinent argument against Bitcoin adoption in El Salvador is that it promotes corruption in the form of money laundering and hidden transactions, but this is a total misunderstanding of how Bitcoin works. Every transaction on the Bitcoin ledger is publicly available and traceable at all times, unlike US dollars. <coughs> Although the arguments against Bitcoin adoption in El Salvador are quite weak, it remains to be seen what will happen. The financial world will be watching El Salvador's Bitcoin experiment in the few weeks following September 7th. The protest will retain the right to choose whether and to what extent they actually use Bitcoin. Well, that's the whole point. It gives you a choice, which you didn't have before. There are people out there that are saying, oh, they have no choice but to use Bitcoin. Well, what happened when they basically just ditched their own currency and said, we're all using the dollar. Was that a choice? I don't think so. That wasn't a choice. This actually gives El Salvador a choice after decades of using the United States dollar, which was foisted upon them by their very own government because their very own government lost control of the printing press to the point that they hyperinflated their economy and there was nothing left to do. There was no way to devaluate, devalue their own currency. So they just ditched it and said, we're all using dollars now. That was not a choice. That was foisted upon them. Now that they added Bitcoin and still allowing the use of the US dollar, that's, act, that's an actual choice. So all the people, Business Insider, IMF, WEF that are saying that they're giving the people of El Salvador no choice. That is a patent lie. Don't believe them. Don't trust them. Speaking of IMF, the IMF repeats El Salvador Bitcoin warnings as country launches $150 million adoption fund. Scott Cipollina has it for Decrypt.co. The International Monetary Fund has repeated its warning about El Salvador's imminent embrace of Bitcoin as legal tender, quote, Privately issued crypto assets like Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Privately issued crypto assets like Bitcoin come with substantial risks. Making them equivalent to a national currency is an inadvisable shortcut, the IMF tweeted yesterday while sharing a link to its original warning of July 26, 2021. In July, the IMF slammed El Salvador for its decision to adopt Bitcoin, suggesting the move, quote, raises a number of macroeconomic, financial, and legal issues, end quote. The International Monetary, sorry, the International Organization also said that crypto assets can pose significant risks and effective regulatory measures are very important when dealing with them. The IMF is not alone in its concerns, of course. And here we go. The World Bank was also sharply critical of President Bukele's decision earlier this summer, refusing to help the country implement its policy, citing environmental and transparency concerns. Controversy notwithstanding, El Salvador will adopt Bitcoin as legal tender on September the 7th, and the country's Congress has prepared a $150 million fund to help the Bitcoin project get off the ground next week. Yesterday's El Salvador's Congress approved $150 million million dollar fund that will help facilitate transactions between us dollars and the flagship cryptocurrency quote the purpose of this law is to financially support the alternatives that the state provides without prejudice to private initiatives that allow the user to carry out the automatic and instantaneous convertibility of bitcoin to the united states dollar in quote a congressional document reportedly said what's more the fund will be reportedly redirected from the current budget for the finance ministry and administered by Bandecile, the country's state development bank. The fund was approved with 64 votes while only 14 votes were cast in opposition. Okay, so that's the end of the article. Do remember, however, guys, Bukele is not, he's not Snow White here, all right? He's not. Anybody who says he is, is clearly either lying to themselves or trying to lie to other people. However, he was steeped in a world of corruption, political corruption, industrial corruption, fascism, because they've got like their hooks into like you know, when the government hooks up with private industry and they basically form a cabal. That's essentially the definition, very definition of fascism, all right? like the technical classical definition of fascism. So he's not Snow White. Don't think that he is. All right. But That's one of the reasons why the fund was probably approved with so much of a majority is that Bukele does, in fact, control the Congress, okay? So again, nobody here is Snow White. It's, I believe that it's gonna, we're gonna play a major part. When I mean we, people outside of El Salvador that are Bitcoiners, right? That's the we that I'm talking about. I think we have a role to play in just focusing on getting Bitcoin to be adopted, making it easy to adopt, making user like concentrating on user experience and user interface, th- these types of things. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't want to tell El Salvador or El Salvadorans what to do. If they don't want to use Bitcoin, good, fine, don't, you'll be fine. You, you can still use the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar will be the last fiat currency to collapse, which means that it won't technically actually ever collapse. But all the rest of the fiat currencies will, at least in comparison to the dollar. So they'll still have the use of the dollar in El Salvador, but they also now, for the first time in decades, have a choice. They don't have to use the U.S. dollar. Again, anybody who tells you <clears throat> that this doesn't give El Salvadorans a choice is flat lying to your ass. Yeah. Pulling out of El Salvador and getting right into the Lightning Network, we got this one. Leading Bitcoin rewards app Fold to go full Lightning in 2022, Bitcoin Magazine's Nick Hoffman has it. In a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, Bitcoin rewards app Giant Fold confirmed that they have committed to integrating Lightning Network support by the end of 2022. This is an effort to support the growth of the Lightning Network, a second layer scaling solution, which is... Proving to be vital in Bitcoin's journey to becoming a medium of exchange, Lightning allows for low-fee off-chain transactions and near-instant micropayment processing in addition to greater privacy. With Fold integrating the Lightning network, this will bring many new users into the mix. Fold currently has over 500,000 mobile app users with many for whom this will be their first experience using Lightning after already being exposed to the benefits of Bitcoin rewards. Quote, We are continuing our tradition of moving the space for- towards Lightning as we did before in the early days with Lightning Pizza. By incentivizing users to use Lightning and opt to receive their rewards in a Lightning wallet, We are bootstrapping Lightning Network adoption, said Fold CEO Will Reeves. To help make this possible, Fold struck up a partnership with BTC payment processor OpenNode to help jumpstart this transition over to Lightning. The partnership will allow Fold users to withdraw their Bitcoin rewards to their own Lightning wallet, oh thank God, available within the coming weeks. The release stated that on-chain transactions will only remain available for a limited time. Quote, we're really excited to partner with Fold to drive Bitcoin adoption and lightning network usage through better better payment experiences. OpenNode will power Bitcoin payments for Fold, enabling Fold users to withdraw the Bitcoin they earn instantly and at the lowest cost possible. We look forward to working with Fold to make many more improvements to the way people earn, transfer, and pay with Bitcoin, said OpenNode co-founder and CTO, Zhao Alameda or Almedia. <clears throat> I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Dude, this is this is freaking awesome. Um, the, it makes sense for Fold to do this because <clears throat> the payouts, when you swipe your Fold card to get Satoshi's back, those payouts are small. Now, the payouts that they give you, I'm not certain how they handle it internally. It could just simply be a ledger. But when you extract the Satoshis from your fold card that you've earned as rewards. I had to use an on-chain transaction to get the majority of the stuff off, you know, actually all of my Satoshis off my fold card last year before I started using it again fairly heavily this year. And it was an on-chain payment. Thankfully, fees were low at the time. The mempool wasn't just completely jacked all the time. And I, I was able to get it off for, you know, a fair decent. But, you know, the fold rewards that I hold on there now, the Satoshi's, uh, that there's not a whole lot. Dude, price has gone up since then. I mean, lots of lots of things have actually changed. And if I were to try to execute an on-chain transaction right now, all my rewards would, you know, it, it's probably well, actually, not all my rewards. I can I can do like a transaction and wait like two or three hours, which I don't mind. I mean, I'm not buying coffee here. Um, I could wait two or three hours and probably get it in for like, I don't know, 10 cents, five cents, maybe even lower than that. And I got like right now, I'm like, I got like 22 bucks worth of Satoshis on my fold card. If I were to do it as an on-chain transaction during a high fee state and I really needed, you know, that money, well, shit out of luck, kind of. So the ability to just pull this off is, you know, pull your Satoshis off your fold card and send it direct to your lightning wallet that is non-custodial or a custodial lightning wallet. Amazing news, amazing work. Congratulations, Will Reeves and team. Twitter appears to be beta testing a lightning tipping feature of their own, says Thomas M. from BTC Times. Twitter appears to be testing a new feature in beta that has Bitcoiners excited. Well, not all of them, especially Ahwee Dieter Bob. He hates the notion. Anyway, <clears throat> the screenshot picturing what looks like a Twitter beta interface emerged on social media on Wednesday, showing instructions on how to use the Lightning Network to receive tips. A report by Mark Rumors, or rather Mac Rumors, mentioned that code in the beta suggests that Twitter is in the process of rolling the feature out. The new feature looks to be a tip jar enabled by Lightning transactions. The Lightning network is Bitcoin's most popular second layer that enables near-instant peer-to-peer payments at negligible fees. I'm fine, I'm glad that they're saying negligible or low fee instead of no fee. Guys, it is not going to be a no-fee environment on Lightning for very long, but I also don't think that it's ever, ever, ever going to look like Bitcoin's highest fees that we've experienced in the past. Anyway, continuing on. Lightning has seen a surge in adoption recently with the network's capacity sitting at around 2,350 Bitcoin at the time of writing. It is not confirmed whether the image is real or not. The Lightning payment function itself is currently not available on the Twitter beta, according to McRumors. The new payment option may become part of Twitter's tip jar feature, which the company rolled out among a test group earlier this year. For the Lightning tipping function, Twitter reportedly seeks to use Strike, meaning users will be required to open a Strike account to receive tips. If implemented, the feature could bring Lightning transactions to Twitter's more than 200 million monetizable daily active users. While reports of the new feature have not been confirmed by official sources, Bitcoiners likely won't be surprised to see Lightning make it into the app. Twitter CEO, The Twitter CEO has long been a vocal Bitcoin and Lightning network advocate. Yeah, this has actually pissed off more Bitcoiners than you might think. Uh, we Dieter Bob says it's going to ruin Twitter because it's going to, uh, cause self censorship and he's got a point. I mean, the dog's not exactly wrong, but we can't really predict exactly what will happen or we can't exi- You know, we certainly can't, you know, predict exactly what effects it will have on people, groups of people, whole ecosystems. I think it's good. I'm just gonna say it right now. I think it's good. All of this is, if it's good for Bitcoin, it's good for me. And if it's good for me, then I like it. I, I I, know I'm a simple guy and I probably should think more deeply into these things, but you know what? Fuck it, I just don't have goddamn time. And neither does the Belarusian president. He's urging citizens to mine Bitcoin rather than seek low paying bullshit jobs overseas. Namcios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Alexander Lushenko, okay, look, guys, I know, I get it. Lushenko's an asshole. He's not a good guy, also not a snow white, but still. Let's keep on going. The president of Belarus urged citizens to stay in their home country and mine Bitcoin instead of moving abroad for low-paying jobs, reported coin mar- market cap. Rather than travel to Poland or Germany and fill farming positions, Lushenko said in a recent meeting that the employees of JSC Belarusians should stay in the country and seek alternative sources of income such as mining Bitcoin. Quote, Create something with electricity, end quote. Lushenko urged in a video posted by the Pool of the First Telegram channel. In the end, start mining cryptocurrency or whatever it's called. There is enough electricity in the country. Ha! <laughs> ah. That's the direct quote, by the way. Bitcoin mining can be very lucrative business in places with abundant cheap energy sources. In Texas, for instance, two kids are making over $30,000 a month with mining operations. Since China instituted a nationwide ban on Bitcoin mining, miners are moving overseas and Belarus might also become a viable option. Bitcoin-related activities are already regulated in Belarus since 2018. In April 2019, Lushenko went... Further, as to suggest that Bitcoin mining farms could harness the surplus power produced by the nuclear power plant in the Grodno, or Grodno, sorry, G R O D N O, Grodno region, according to the report, by capturing abundant energy that could otherwise go to waste, miner profitability can be increased even further. According to Lushenko, Belarusians would be better off mining Bitcoin than seeking low-paying farming jobs. JSC Belaruskali, where Lushenko told workers that Belarusians are not wanted abroad, is one of the world's biggest producers of potash fertilizers. The president added that foreigners are only waiting for Belarusians to pick strawberries. Quote, we must understand they are not waiting for us anywhere, Lushenko said. And if someone is waiting, maybe on the plantations, as Ukrainians often say, the Poles there or the Germans have to squirm and pr- pick strawberries, end quote. Well, that's a bad translation, probably. Belarusians can achieve financial and individual sovereignty with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining instead of submitting themselves to low-paying farming roles in nations abroad by capturing the country's abundant energy to power Bitcoin mining rigs, they can increase their otherwise low wages. Additionally, they would also save directly in BTC, taking complete control over their money and protecting their family's purchasing powers over the generations to come again. Okay. That's the end of the article Uh, guys. Again, Lushenko, not Snow White by any fricking stretch of the imagination. And in fact the language here suggests that he's afraid of losing his cattle He's afraid of losing his tax base. He's afraid of losing that which he can leech upon. And he's literally grasping at straws. However, he grasped at the correct straw, Bitcoin. I don't think his language is good at all. I don't think that he's looking at the people of Belarus as humans. I think he's looking at them as machines that have the ability to make money for the government. So do not leave this article thinking that Lushenko is is anything but the scumbag piece of shit that he is because he is a scumbag piece of shit. Hey, let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids are up. Shiny metal rocks are down. West Texas Intermediate coming in at $68.99 after a over one half of a point percentage price rise. Brent North Sea, $72.08. Also, 0.68% to the upside. Natural gas is up over a full point, $4.66 per 1,000 cubic feet. Guys, it was not long ago when I was calling these prices out. At $2.60 per thousand cubic feet. Now it's at $4.66 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline at $2.12, it is showing a 0.77% rise in price. Gold is the only shiny metal rock doing anywhere close to good, and it's not good because it's 0.028% to the upside, hanging out at $1,816. Silver's down 0.15, platinum is down 0.78%, copper is down 0.05%, palladium down 0.12. Agricultural futures are fairly mixed, but there's nothing jumping out at me, so we will move on. The indices, Dow futures up 0.12%, S&P futures up 0.16, NASDAQ is up a full quarter, and S&P mini is up 0.11. Let's talk about real money at $49,869.28. The price of Bitcoin is obviously seeing rise. Yay. Transactions of which there are 285,312 being performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 12,000 transactions on average per hour, which is normal, or at least it used to be normal. 1.4 million BTC being sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. That's 61,200 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 5.15 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.017 BTC or 850 bucks. Block times are fairly high, 10 minutes and 13 seconds. 0.13 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, and uh, 19.25 BTC taken in fees over the last 24 hours with a 6.72% drop in hash rate. We are down to 116.5 exahashes per second. Uh, Your shitcoin indicator as usual is DOGE, which is sitting at 30 cents. That's 0.302 US dollars. It should be zero. Oh, I got some doge for you later on here in the story. You're going to love it. 6,133 transactions waiting on five blocks to clear. We have $939.7 billion of Bitcoin market capitalization, which is 7.93% of gold's total market cap. You may, if you so wish, buy $1 ounce of gold for 27.5. So I screwed that up so badly. If you so choose, you may purchase 27.5 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin of which there are 18,804,154.00 BTC in circulation of which 2,342.6 are in the Lightning Network with a total capacity value of $117 million that's being run over 14,853 nodes. Again, people, it was not that long ago that I was calling those, the total nodes number as 9,000, and we were getting happy about breaking 10,000. We are now at 14,853. Total number of channels is 67,831, 74.6% of the entirety of the Lightning Network is now run over Tor. That means that there's 1,748.58 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 9,505 nodes. That's gonna do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. I mentioned Doge and I've got a good story about it. I do. Dogecoin Foundation demands copycat meme coin Dogecoin 2.0. Change its name. (laughs) Seriously, when you're fighting over the Doge name. Yeah, nobody gave a shit last year and the year before. And the year before that, nobody gave a shit about Doge when it was like, you know, point zero 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 one U.S. dollar. Okay. And now all of a sudden, we got all these people that are interested in Doge. Good God. Inigo Vaca from Cointelegraph tells us more. The Dogecoin Foundation has issued a statement distancing itself from a new copycat project called Dogecoin 2.0 or Doge2 firing off legal demands that the new meme coin change its name. In a letter published August 31st, the Dogecoin Foundation asserts that it has engaged brand protection lawyers. Jesus, to contact Dogecoin 2.0 developers in a bid to protect the Dogecoin community from being misled and to protect the Dogecoin name from possible misuse, end quote. It sounds a lot like Bitcoin.com, doesn't it? Dogecoin 2.0's website indirectly throws shade at the original canine-themed crypto, stating, quote, Dogecoin 2.0 aims to offer investors prolonged growth in utilizing a much more sustainable tokenomic structure than its somewhat inflated predecessor, end quote. The foundation's letter states that Dogecoin enthusiast, or Sheebs have raised concerns about the new project. While the community has historically welcomed new crypto projects, the foundation accuses Dogecoin 2.0 of co-opting the Dogecoin brand and reputation for advantage. (laughs) The reputation. Dogecoin 2.0 was launched at the start of May on the Binance Smart Contract Network. Doge2 is currently trading at 4 cents after gaining more than 100% in 24 hours with less than $100,000 worth of daily volume. The public statement comes weeks after the formal restoration of the Dogecoin Foundation after a six-year hiatus. The foundation will support core developers and projects working on Dogecoin and has attracted support from leading crypto scammers, including Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin and Tesla CEO Elon Musk. Dogecoin has seen a huge rise in price and popularity since the start of 2021. According to CoinGecko, Doge's price peaked in May at an all-time high of 68 cents before shedding more than 73% of its value over the next two months to test a low of 18 cents. Doge is currently changing hands for roughly 30 cents after gaining 50% during August. The number of other canine-themed crypto tokens have emerged to cash in on Dogecoin's recent hype, including Dogecash, Underdog, and Dogecoin, or sorry, Doge Token. The most successful, Shiba Inu, has amassed a market cap of $3.6 billion to rank as the 46th largest crypto assets, according to CoinGecko. My God almighty, people. Just the amount of bullshit in this space. This is what I was saying when I was talking about NFTs at the head of the show. Dude, 99.99% of this space is pure, unbridled shit. It's awful. Stay away from as much of it as you can. Genesis Digital Assets to Buy Up to 200,000 Bitcoin miners in largest mining sale ever. 200,000 Bitcoin miners being bought in the largest mining sale ever. Alex McShane has it for Bitcoin Magazine, Kanan. A lead supercomputing service provider and inventor of the first ASIC Bitcoin miner announced that they have secured an option to sell 200,000 Bitcoin miners to Genesis Digital Assets if executed. This would be the largest Bitcoin mining machine sale ever made. Ever. Genesis Digital has pre- previously purchased over $93 million of Kanan's mining machines. Included in the renewed partnership deal was the sale of an initial 20,000 mining machines which included the purchase option of up to an additional 180,000 machines. Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Canaan, I can't pronounce, oh, uh, Mr. Zhang, sorry, commented, quote, since we entered the long-term partnership with Genesis Digital Assets earlier this year, we have reached several great deals. This order With the option of future large purchases, futures solidifies our collaborations and reflects both parties' confidence in the prospect of the cryptocurrency mining industry. All these mutually beneficial deals demonstrate the quality of our products and our endeavor to deliver for clients despite the overall changing or rather challenging supply chain condition. Yeah, no shit. We remain diligent in helping miner clients expand their compute power. While generating value for its shareholders," end quote. Co-founder and executive chairman of Genesis Digital Assets. Now, that's the this is the guy's name. I can't pronounce his his name. Whatever it is, said quote. The Bitcoin mining machines from this latest purchase order are part of our ongoing efforts to re- rapidly scale our Bitcoin mining operations in North America and the Nordics, where we are focused on energy that comes from renewable sources. These new machines will dramatically increase our capacity as we work towards our goal to increase our capacity to 1.4 gigawatts by the end of 2023, end quote. Genesis Digital Assets is already one of the largest Bitcoin mining companies in the world. They have bought over 300,000 miners or brought 300,000 miners online since 2013. As of August, the firm's data center had a mining capacity of over 170 megawatts which is a total hash rate of over 3.1 exahashes per second, which is over 2.4% of global Bitcoin mining hash rate. Holy shit, that's a lot of hash, bro. BTC Times, Dave Stein has this one. Digital Currency Group's media outlet wants details of Tether's reserves. Yeah, the Tether FUD, here we go. CoinDesk, the media outlet owned by Digital Currency Group recently filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the state of New York asking for documents regarding the composition of Tether's reserves. On Tuesday, an attorney for Tether and Binance, or sorry, Bitfinex, uh, petitioned to block that release, claiming that the documents contain information about financial strategies and compliance measures which constitute competitive secrets. It is either a sign of industry maturity or dysfunction that regulatory bodies can now be wielded for competitive advantage. Stablecoin issuers have been widely criticized over the reserve holdings behind their dollar denominated tokens earlier this year, Bitfinex and Tether settled, settled an investigation with the office of the attorney general in New York, which resulted in an $18.5 million fine and an agreement to publish quarterly breakdowns of the company's reserve assets. Coinbase was also forced to retract a claim that the USDC it offered were backed by dollars in a bank account, when in fact the USDC were backed in part by commercial paper, corporate bonds, and other less liquid assets. (laughs) Why are stablecoin issuers so cagey about their assets? According to the petition filed by Tether's attorney, the company's private financial relationships constitute its main competitive advantage. If that information becomes public, other stablecoin platforms could replicate the financial investments and erase Tether's market lead. Security through obscurity runs contrary to the ethos of public blockchains, where individuals are expected to verify, not trust. On the other hand, the administrative state collects an enormous amount of information about anyone and anything, and Freedom of Information Act requests create a selective channel for the state to meet it out. In theory, anyone can request public records from a government agency. In reality, information requests often involve costly and time-consuming litigation, which is why Coindesk retained Lance Kuntz of Claris Law to navigate the process. Businesses have an economic incentive to seek out agency records that may provide insight on the activities of regulators, competitors, and customers. In a recent study, nearly 80% of information requests made to government agencies were commercial in nature. That is, the requests were made by private enterprises for private benefit. Hedge funds notoriously exploit Freedom of Information Act requests to retain or gain information about which companies have been targeted by FDA warnings or SEC investigations. Once information is obtained through a FOIL (coughs) or a FOIA request, there is no obligation to share it with the public. It is reasonable for Tether to be suspicious of foil requests submitted by Coindesk, given that the media outlet's parent company is also an investor in Circle and Coinbase. In the interest of transparency and fairness, someone ought to file some Freedom of Information Act request on Coinbase and Circle. The two exchange operators have certainly had their fair share of interactions with government agencies. Yeah, no shit, Dave Stein. That's exactly right. They should be. We should be foiling the living crap out of Coinbase at least, because honestly, one of the shittiest exchanges out there. Uh, let's see here, <clears throat> crypto dad Giancarlo to quit BlockFi's board after only four months. Oh, dude. <laughs> BlockFi's just dude, they're just getting pummeled, bro. Danny Nelson for CoinDesk has it. Um, Former chief U.S. commodities regulator Christopher Giancarlo has resigned from BlockFi's board of directors after only four months at the position Coindesk has learned. It was not immediately clear why Giancarlo is leaving the cryptocurrency lenders board. He did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Shortly after being contacted by Coindesk for this story, BlockFi issued a press release saying Giancarlo has been replaced by Ellen Blair Chube. BlockFi said Giancarlo will continue to provide strategic counsel to the firm in an advisory role. Yeah, that's called a buffer. CryptoDad, as the Digital Dollar Project co-founder was known during his tenure as chairman of the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC, was the BlockFi board's first independent director. His unexpected exit comes at a critical juncture for BlockFi. Uh, It is simultaneously finding a legal onslaught, recalibrating from a messy $500,000 million funding round, and strategizing for a stock market debut that BlockFi's Series E investors were told could come as soon as 2022. The legal issues plaguing BlockFi's interest-bearing crypto accounts are likely the company's most pressing challenge. Multiple U.S. states allege in July that the company's flagship BlockFi interest accounts were unregistered securities, including regulators in BlockFi's home state of New Jersey. BlockFi has warned customers it could be forced to stop onboarding new interest accounts worldwide if it does not resolve the New Jersey case. A thrice-delayed cease-and-desist order takes effect upon September the 30th. Torrents of bad press sent BlockFi into crisis mode just as it was finalizing a blockbuster funding round at a nearly $5 billion valuation. Lead investor Third Point LLC soon pulled out, according to venture capital reporter Eric Newcomer. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, Newcomer. One month later, and the independent director is jumping ship too. (laughs) Quote, if someone independent is leaving the board, that's a huge signal, says Matthew Semedini, a professor at Arizona State University who studies corporate governance. Giancarlo's stature as former regulator was likely a likely plus for BlockFi, Sem Denny said, explaining that companies sometimes choose independent directors who lend legitimacy to the board. Oh, it's a marketing ploy, you mean. Giancarlo's April arrival certainly brought Gravitas into the boardroom. With no BlockFi equity, he became the only independent voice among company insiders and investors. BlockFi described Giancarlo's addition at the time as part of a board expansion to ensure a public market-ready governance structure. With Giancarlo out, BlockFi is betting that Chube, a managing director at William Blair, is more eager to stick around. Quote, it's like somebody putting an offer on a home, doing the inspection, taking a look at the inspection and saying, yeah, I'll pass on the house. Simon Denny said of Giancarlo's brief tenure. Oh, man, dude, that's kind of painful. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that one. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's the Thursday before Labor Day weekend here in the United States. i really hoping you guys get out there and do some barbecue in my name. But before we go, we got a joke. Except it's not from Dad Says Jokes. This is actually from Pirate Beach Bum. That is at Pirate Beach Bum on Twitter who gave me this one in DM. Did you hear about that new joke about COVID? 99.997% of people didn't get it. well, it's too damn late to launch into a COVID rant at this time. So instead, I'll just remind you that um, I, de- I always need help with the show and I like it when I get y'all's help with the show. And that means listening to it on the Breeze Wallet, B-R-E-E-Z Wallet. Uh, I think there's also a website like podcastingtools.com or something like that. It's Adam Curry. Actually, let me check. No, sorry. I haven't found it. But there's a Adam Curry has a whole website that they put together that it has everything, including the Breeze Wallet. It just happens to be the one that, that I remember because the Breeze Wallet is the one that I use for their podcasting app. But inside it, you find a podcasting app. You can search for Bitcoin and listen to the show, stream me sats, and it goes directly to my lightning node because that's the way podcasting 2.0 works. It converts your RSS feed uh, into an RSS feed that contains information about your lightning wallet address and therefore any podcasting 2.0 enabled app can read that particular RSS feed. And when somebody streams sats through a podcasting 2.0 enabled podcast listening device, you can choose to stream sats from an internal wallet either in the podcasting app itself or possibly outside depending on how it works. And it goes right to my lightning node. The other way is five star reviews on Apple, you know, on the uh, Apple iPod review page. God is getting a little bit, or it's, I was about to say it's getting late, but it's not, it's six fifty four 54 AM oh, for the love of God. It's just, I get up way too freaking early. Uh, also, Way big apologies for not coming to you over the last two days. Uh, My wife got the flu and it wasn't just any flu. And I know I don't think it was COVID. But that doesn't mean that flus can't be bad. And this one is about as bad as I've seen. In fact, I've known my wife, whether married or just dating for over 20 years, I've seen her laid up this bad Maybe once, or rather, at least once, maybe twice. But no more than that. If anything, this is maximum the third time that I've seen my wife this jacked up. So <laughs> um, I'm not going to be, you know, she's not going to be you know helping the kids get dressed. she's She's asleep. You know, I'm, so I'm the one that's like, you know, basically, you know, she, I take him to school all the time. I pick them up, but she's the one that, you know, sort of gets them dressed and, and ready to go. But no, that was not going to be happening. So, uh, yeah, it's over the last two days have been pure hell. Right. So that's honestly why some things haven't been done, including the show. And I do apologize for that. I hope this one made up for it. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.